0: Hi and welcome to EcoGal the Curious Consumer. I'm Ashley. Today in the EcoGal studio with me is Cam Terry. He is a vegetable farmer in Roanoke, Virginia. His urban farm, Garden Variety Harvest, GVH for short, has cultivated produce on a network of backyard lots for five years, selling at a farmer's market and to area restaurants. In 2022, GVH secured a deal with the Southwest Virginia Agrarian Commons to establish a farm headquarters at the Lick Run Farm in Northwest Renoke on a long-term equitable lease. Cam,
1: welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me on.
0: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to learning more about uh, GVH and your story. So why don't you just take it away?
1: Sure. Yeah. I think everybody's uh, farming origin story uh, is a little bit different and they can be very interesting. Um, I started growing food for myself in my backyard uh, about you know, 12, 13 years ago. I lived in Denver, Colorado, and um, I had just actually finished film school. And mm-hmm. I, uh, uh, when looking for my first Documentary film project, uh, met a farmer, uh, who had, uh, committed to an entire year of, uh, only eating food that she had grown on her own land. Her name was Allison. And, uh, and in our interviews, uh, Allison said some things that really changed the way that I looked at the food system. Hmm. Um, and she encouraged me to start my own garden, which I did. And it was all kind of downhill from there. You know, I had some friends who lived nearby who would come and share in the bounty with me and tell me how uh, how much of a difference there was in the eating quality and all the ingredients we were able to produce. Um, and, you know, a few, few dinner parties every summer kind of uh, established a bit of a feedback loop for me. You know, producing food for the people that I cared about was something that... Um, that just was fuel for my soul, you know, and over yeah. the next few years, I became increasingly obsessed with gardening to the extent that eventually I decided it was time to try to see if I could make a business out of it. Um, and we, um, myself and my partner, Chloe went on a uh, three month sabbatical to Canada. We went and volunteered on some organic farms through Woof, and Um, and I decided after that trip that I would try to start a backyard urban farm network. Um, I didn't want to do it in Colorado because land values are very high and it hardly rains in the front Mm. range of Colorado. So that's what kind of pushed us to move East. Uh, Chloe's parents had recently moved to Roanoke and, um, offered their backyard to be number one in the, in the farming network. And so that's what we did. We moved here in uh October of 2017 with the dreams of starting an urban farm business and you know I I always knew that the um the inefficiencies associated with growing food in backyards for a living was going to eventually drive me nuts but it was kind of the only option I really had mm-hmm. uh that didn't put uh you know a cloud of you know hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt hanging over the business right Right. Um and the goal was always to within 5 years find a realistic path towards a more centralized farm operation and long-term security. And so now we're talking today at that 5-year mark and we've um we've at least made some progress towards those goals of of long-term security.
0: Nice. So, let's go back just quickly to Wolf. What does that stand oh, for? Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah.
1: Wolf is uh, Worldwide Opportunities on Organic Farms. Hmm. It's a loose international network of um, a basically volunteer based labor, right? So, in exchange for, um, say, 25 or 30 hours of weekly labor on a farm, mm-hmm. uh, these people, the volunteers, receive room and board. And uh, it's just an opportunity for people to kind of learn about uh, different farming techniques throughout the world and to travel for cheap. Right. And so we um, we filled our Jeep with all the camping gear we could pack in there. And we just did a six thousand mile road trip up to Vancouver Island and Mm. and back. Basically, Uh, it was it was a trip of a lifetime. It's something I really encourage people to consider. There are different organizations in every country. Okay. So everybody's rules and regulations are a little bit different, um, but we really had a great a uh, great experience in uh, in Wolf Canada for sure.
0: Well, Vancouver's a really beautiful part of the world, so it sure is. All right, thank you for that. Okay, so then it's five years in, and um, I'd love to know then how you connected up with Agrarian Commons.
1: Sure. Yeah. You know, um, I think that. I was lucky in that um, an agrarian staff, agrarian trust staff member was a vendor at my farmer's market. And so Eliza and I kind of became friends before we ever really had any conversations about what the future of our urban farm was going to be. Right. Right. Um, and so I kind of got to slowly get to know the model that they were trying to establish at agrarian trust. The basic idea is that Agrarian Trust is a 501c3 national organization um, that has started uh 12 or 13 different localized chapters of what they call agrarian commons. So these are localized boards of directors which seek relationships with mostly retiring farmers who would like to make sure that their land remains in responsible stewardship, but they can Retire with some financial dignity, right? And Mm. so often they're making bargain sales or donations for tax purposes into the agrarian commons. And then it's the commons job to find an appropriate farmer to steward that land. And they offer long term leases. In the case of Virginia, those can be 99 year rolling leases that are inheritable to whoever that farmer chooses to leave them to. Mm. So in my mind, it offered the perfect um you know compromise between uh, the security that you get with owning land and the burden that you get when you take on a mortgage right um i just i've never really believed that it was important that i own the land that i farm on i don't really even know what that means when a human being who's going to be on this land hmm. or on this earth for 80 to 100 years says that they own a patch of dirt that has been there for 5 billion years. Right. And point. so so I just um I just wanted long-term security and I didn't I didn't really care who the ownership laid with and in fact especially in an urban farm where we're doing a lot of on-farm education and outreach and events the idea of community land ownership began to make a lot of sense to me, right? Mm-hmm. We're It's situated in the middle of a neighborhood that has no grocery store and has very little access to fresh and healthy food. So the idea that this neighborhood, this community has a stake in the ownership of this farm that is feeding these people is an idea that was really attractive to me. And so that's that's kind of what brought me into the idea. And um, and the agrarian commons helped me do a, a bit of a formal land search where we went and visited properties both in the city and out of the city. And then, kind of massaged the relationships involved at Lick Run Farm to get to the point where we were able to uh, to break ground last year at um, at that location.
0: Okay, so it's been like a year, a year and a half that you've had this
1: relationship. Yeah. So, so yeah. So we um, we officially launched the um, the land search probably a little less than two years ago. We decided on Lick Run and I began growing there last year on a short term, term lease while all the rigmarole involved with an expensive land deal works out behind the scenes. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, the the existing owner was perfectly happy to draw up an interim lease for us so that we could get mm-hmm. started working on the land as soon as possible. Nice. And so we began the move to that farm headquarters last spring. We planted a small vegetable garden there and we established a, a pack station we started working on some of the renovations in the house and stuff like that throughout the year and this is the year you know um we're in the early spring now this is the year where we really will accelerate the production on that land there at Lick Run farm there's um a little more than maybe an acre of potential vegetable ground at Lick Run uh, it's about a three and a half acre property. And we would love to see as much as possible of those marginal areas that are too flat or that aren't flat enough or too rocky or too shaded to really be vegetable ground. Mm -hmm. We're going to work pretty hard with some of our community partners to uh, to plant a lot of perennial food bearing plants there. Think things like blackberries and figs, um, raspberries and pears, persimmons. Uh would love to have some potential u pick options for people to come on and pick fruit seasonally mm-hmm. um, because we are we're in a location where something like 10,000 cars pass by every day. So we um, we have a huge audience that um, that we can yeah. tap into to bring them onto the farm and help take some of the picking burden off of our plates.
0: Yeah. So I've seen the pictures of the farm on the website. Uh it's very unique. I'd love for you to give a little more kind of a picturesque detail so people could really understand because it's it is unique. And also where it's situated from the town center.
1: Yeah. So um Lick Run Farm is yeah, it's about a mile and a half from the middle of downtown in Roanoke. Um it's in northwest the city of Roanoke is divided into four quadrants, right? And so northwest Roanoke. Um, it has for 25, 30 years been complaining that they don't have a grocery store in their neighborhood. And so it is a place that experiences significant levels of food insecurity. And it is the perfect place to have an urban vegetable farm. It um, This property was a uh, plants nursery. They did bedding plants and trees as far back as the mid-1940s. The family that ran the nursery, the Kroll Nursery, uh, lived there on the property, and um, and did their plant sales every spring and summer. And then that business closed sometime in the mid-90s, and the property sat vacant for quite a long time before the owner who we're purchasing from, Rick Williams, um, bought the land and decided to start a permaculture farm there. And he did a lot of the work of reclaiming the land from invasive species and, and excessive dumping from from uh, neighbors who didn't want to drive all the way to the landfill. Um, He did all the work ahead of time to make it look like something that could be a vegetable farm by the time I got here to town. Right. Um, And so really, you know, we get to take what he has done and we get to run with it and we get to turn it, you know, turn up the dial on the production. We kind of can apply a little bit more paid labor because we have an established business model and um, and really make this farm um, live up to its potential, uh, the ability to feed our neighbors uh, yeah. fresh and healthy food.
0: Wow. What a wonderful purpose. And it feels very divine in how everything has unfolded for you and uh, getting to where you're at. So I, um, so how would people find you and learn more about, you know, your farm, your story, and also the agrarian commons? Cause I think that, you know, it's just a really amazing thing. Um, organization that is doing really good things in this country?
1: Sure. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of conservation land trusts, um, but nobody who really focuses on small farmers getting on land in the way that Agrarian Trust does. So, you know, we're really proud to be working with that organization. And I must say that um, the, you know, urban land deals are not cheap like so we are still raising the money to pay for this transition we secured a deal with with uh, mr williams uh, so that we can pay for the land over the course of a couple years right so that's how we're there actually doing the work already Mm -hmm. when the fundraiser is still running but if you go to my website gardenvarietyharvest.com there's a banner at the very top of the page that says click here to donate to our southwest virginia agrarian commons fundraiser and if you click that you'll be taken to the agrarian trust page where they've laid out all the fundraising details, what we've raised so far, what we're still raising and all the basic financial data about what all this money is going to pay for. Right. right. Um, and there are opportunities to donate there on that page. And you can explore a little bit and learn a little bit more about the, the commons land ownership model, which I realize is a bit of a, uh, of a new concept for people, mm-hmm. like uh, for people who have been steeped in this model of, um, private land ownership for their entire lives. This idea of owning land in commons can be a little bit tough and there are some questions. So I think the tr- the website does a really good job of explaining these things. Like why is this a need and why does this solve a problem are all you know answers that you can find there at agrarientrust.org.
0: Oh, that's great. Well, we do need new paths forward at this time in our history of humanity. So uh, I really appreciate you coming on today. Thank you so much for sharing your, you know, your story and learning more about uh, GVH.
1: Well, I'm I'm happy to to talk about it. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, maybe what we can do is um, maybe next year, come back and, and learn, you know, how this last year has been for you.
1: Sure. Yeah. We will have a lot to talk about at the end of this growing season. Lots of expansion in the works. So.
0: Well, happy growing and thank you again.
1: Great. Thanks for having me, Ashley.
0: Thanks for listening. Sharing the show or an episode that really resonated with you, with friends or on social media, is always appreciated. For podcast updates, please subscribe at ecogal.tv forward subscribe. Graphic elements and logos, courtesy of Linda Cornelius. Audio editing by Danielle Mikesell. Our theme music was created by Taylor Pye. You can find us on Instagram, at EcoGal TV. We appreciate your support and we value your time and energy. So we hope you found this useful and of value. Thank you for listening. See you back here soon, and until then, stay curious.